Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Pushkin. This show contains adult language and occasional descriptions of violence. Please keep that in mind when choosing when and where to listen. Previously on Death of an Artist. Carl Andre is an extremely private person. You can publicize his works, but you can't talk about his private life with him. He called the day he was quitting. He said, uh, justice has been done. I said, I congratulate you. And that's all. All of the case documents are unattainable. Even their existence will not be confirmed. MoCA downtown has fired its chief curator, Helen Molesworth. So you have an NDA. I do. It's a huge building. It's a good 15 floors higher than any other building. It's really high. It's really disturbing how high it is. That's me and my producer, Louisa, visiting Carl Andre's building in Greenwich Village. I feel like I should come clean. I did not think this was a good idea. Louisa was trained as a journalist. Apparently, when journalists hit brick walls with email and phone messages, they do something called doorstepping, which is when you literally just show up at someone's doorstep. Needless to say, they don't teach this technique in art history class. It made me nervous as all get out, but there was no other option when it came to talking to Carl. So here we were. Carl still lives in the same apartment where Anna Mendieta went out the window. Standing at street level, we had to crane our necks to look all the way up to the 34th floor. The horror of Anna's last moments really hit me. There was nothing abstract about it anymore. I don't think we're going to be able to ring a bell. No, I think we're going to have to talk to a doorman. 
The doorman's job is to keep us away. Yep. The lobby was all luxury. Soaring atrium, fancy light fixtures, plush sofas, and a doorman behind a large desk right at the entrance. When we realized there was no way to ring Carl's doorbell directly, I decided to write him a note, a last-ditch effort to see if he'd talk. How are you feeling about going in there? Not good. When I thought we were just going to ring his bell, it kind of felt like we were teenagers. Uh But... The place is fortified. There's a security guard walking around and a doormat, and it feels like, I don't know, rolling up on somebody. But I think we have to do our due diligence. Right. We need to try to get a response to some of what we're saying. Right. And we've tried one way, and now we're going to try one other way. Right. Let's do it. It's not going to get any easier the more we wait. All right. Hello. Hi, how are you? How can I help you? We are art historians trying to get in touch with Carl Andre, and we've emailed him a couple of times, but we haven't gotten any answer back. And so we were actually going to go old school and just ring the bell, but obviously you control the bell. (laughs) So I have a little note for him, and I just don't know what your protocols are. I don't know if you're allowed to ring up and say we're here or if you want to take this. I I can hand that over if need be. No problem. Beautiful. We appreciate that so much. Thank you. I handed over the note, and we went back out to the street. That was in January. Carl never responded. I'm Helen Molesworth, and from Pushkin Industries, Something Else, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Death of an Artist. Episode 6, The Reckoning. Maybe if Carl had talked, if he had ever acknowledged changing his story or straight up admitted that he just doesn't remember, or even if he had publicly recognized the amount of pain Anna's death caused in the art world, maybe then all of this would feel different. But he didn't do those things, So now I feel like I have to answer the question I asked myself at the start of this podcast. Can I still love Carl Andre's work? It's a question that by now almost all of us have faced in one form or another. So many of our cultural icons have been accused of terrible things. In our interviews for this series, the names Woody Allen, Michael Jackson, Harvey Weinstein, and Bill Cosby came up again and again. Do we keep listening, watching, reading the work of someone accused of causing harm? And might it be that how people answer these questions has a lot to do with how much power they have? Whether that's the power dynamic of he said, she said, or the difference between being a curator at a big museum versus being an everyday working artist. I decided that in order to answer this question, I needed to go see some of Andre's work. I hadn't seen any in years, and I was curious about how I would feel when I walked on Andre's metal plates now, after spending so much time thinking about Anna.
Bill is 87 years old, and officially he is retired. But in early 2022, he had a show at the Paula Cooper Gallery, and the press release said there was a new work. So Louisa and I walked from Carl's apartment to the gallery in Chelsea. It's a route I imagine Carl himself has probably taken a thousand times. So I wrote the gallery, and the gallery wrote me back and said that they could not honor my request to talk about it in the space. I know Paula, and I really respect Paula, and I've felt bad all along knowing this podcast isn't something she wants me to do. Um, So we're on the street, uh, which feels really goofy. And luckily for us, one of the works is installed in this kind of showcase shop window almost, you know, where there's just enough room for one work. And what I'm looking at is a kind of classic Andre sculpture made out of these large uh, pieces of milled cedar. So they've got that beautiful kind of light red, orangey color that cedar has. They're clearly just piled one on top of the other. So basically we're looking at a staircase or a pyramid. You're very aware this is not random, this is not chaos, this is order. The piece in the window was from 1980. Seeing it was like seeing something from the past that was very familiar. So far, things felt pretty much the same. So we went inside. We took in the show, and then we walked, without talking, to a nearby park and turned on the recording equipment. It was cold and gray, the trees were bare, but the birds were out in force. Well, what did you think? You were very quiet in there. The show was very beautiful. It had a kind of elegance to it. I was also aware that I was a little bored. This show had a new work in it, but the new work didn't do anything new. The new work was a milled cedar piece arranged against a wall. And here is a guy who made a sculpture in 2021 that looked just like the sculpture in the window from 1980. And I was really aware of this feeling of time stilled, of of no forward movement. Looking at his new work, which looked just like his old work, I realized that I still thought all the things I used to think about his work, but that the work didn't make me feel the way it used to. And I know I lost that feeling because of everything I understand about what happened on the days before and after Anna died. I think there's birds pooping on us. Did you just get pooped on, really? Oh, I think I did, too. Maybe the universe is trying to tell us something. (laughs) Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. 
And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Maybe the universe was sending us a sign that it was time to stop talking about Carl. To, as they say, cancel him. We hear so much about cancel culture. The practice of radically shunning bad actors that extends to a ban on their work. Sometimes I wish I could just cancel Carl and his work and be done with it. And maybe that's the point of canceling. It's an expedient way to deal with an intractable problem. But the conventional wisdom of the art world is to separate the art from the artist. So we keep the Carl Andre who solves sculpture's relationship to the floor far away from the Carl who seemed to play a role in his wife's death. And according to this logic, I don't have to cancel him. According to this logic, I should simply enjoy those Andre sculptures and leave the mess of his personal life out of it. Is there any moment for you where the art matters more than its maker? No. This is Roxane Gay a public thinker, a feminist, and an opinion writer for the New York Times. She has written that cancel culture is a misnomer 
She prefers to call it consequence culture. I don't think that we're preserving anything when we preserve the work of murderers. Because Carl was acquitted, I've been careful not to say he is a murderer. And by careful, what I really mean is compelled, legally, not to do so. Because legally, that word is not a fact. Legally, it's just an opinion. The world will be fine without Carl Andre. And his work is beautiful. His work is absolutely beautiful. It's a shame that someone with that much talent could not control himself. I don't know why we keep putting the onus on ourselves. Like, why do you feel this way? Like, no, he's the problem. Like, go ask him why he had to be such a piece of shit. The men are the ones who should have to answer for themselves. I can't lie. I had a brief moment listening to Roxanne when I felt the weight of this whole dilemma lift off my shoulders. Of course the world will be fine without Carl Andre's work. Of course men should control themselves. How is this my problem? But after the interview, I had trouble with the my part. Was it really just up to me? When individuals stop supporting an artist's work, do we think this individual action has real-life repercussions or consequences, as Roxane Gay would say? And if that's the case, is cancel culture another way of replacing group responsibility with individual choice? As someone who worked in museums for most of my life, this highly individual response didn't seem quite right. One of the things that's interesting about museums is that they are the place where art gets to be public. And when that happens, then art is really about all of us. It's about society. It is a public record of what we think, feel, and believe. So what's important was how, as a society, we were going to handle this kind of ethical dilemma. When I was a museum curator, I was what folks call a gatekeeper, meaning I was someone who determined what art the public got to see. This meant my so-called personal decisions had public ramifications. I would feel comfortable with a Carl Andre sculpture at the Met, for sure. That's Max Holine, director of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, one of the most important museums in the world. He said he'd be fine with showing a sculpture by Carl Andre at the Met. We're talking about museums as being the sort of the primary institution that creates the discourse publicly around art. I'm curious how you would respond to the Gorilla Girls. Their quote-unquote solution to this quote-unquote problem is a radical rewriting of museum wall labels so that you couldn't put up a Carl Andre without informing your public of this kind of controversial, complex, ethical conundrum. Can you imagine such wall labels at the Met? About those wall labels, the Gorilla Girls suggested a wall label that would go something like this. Carl Andre was accused of murdering his wife, the artist Anna Mendieta. He was represented by a highly paid lawyer at a bench trial and was acquitted, and he made very few public statements about it thereafter. If the life of that human being is not exactly ingrained into the artistic work itself, then I, I think that there's still an issue with that. So if an artist in his life uh, killed two people through drunken driving, 
So is that then a relevant information that you need to provide the visitor of a museum to see uh, a particular work that obviously has nothing to do with, with it? Basically, Max says we should follow the lead of the artist. If their work isn't specifically related to a particular event in their life, then there's no need for the museum to bring it to the attention of the public. Do you think it's possible, Max, that you're lagging now? This old idea about artists somehow being protected, their bad behavior being protected because they're geniuses and they make these extraordinary objects. Are we behind here? I mean, obviously you are hinting at that. I think it's about the question of if you listen to music, if you read literature, if you uh, see an artwork, if for you the most relevant thing is to first know the artistic biography. And I don't think so. Is there anyone you've given up? Woody Allen, Bill Cosby? Have you had any more personal moment of reckoning around these issues? I used to love H.P. Lovecraft's books, which on the other hand, when you go dig deeper into his own story and he's somewhat rooted in white supremacist uh, thoughts, you then look at that work in a different way and you see that, that in a kind of a different context. Max doesn't read H.P. Lovecraft anymore. And I, sadly, don't watch Woody Allen films anymore. And the more I talked to folks about what happened to Anna, the more I knew that if I still worked in a museum, there would be no way I could put a work by Carl Andre on public view. Did that mean I had flipped into canceling him? I've always been willing to separate the personality of the artist from the work they produce. That's Amy Capalazzo a leading figure in the contemporary art market, well-known for her stints at the two most powerful auction houses, Sotheby's and Christie's. A number of the great artists of the 20th century were awful to the women in their lives. I know so many artists that didn't raise their children and were shitty to their kids. I mean, what's the beginning and end of all this? So I think I'm always concerned about when we conflate the personal with the professional. Amy is also a huge fan of Anna Mendieta's and is fortunate enough to live with several of her pieces. She was a very important artist in my life personally and professionally. When I really could afford to buy a work of art, one of the first things I bought was an Anna Mendieta suite of photographs. I have four photograph silhouetta with clay from the Oaxaca series, and I have self-portrait with blood from 1974. Did you ever buy a work by Carl Andre for yourself? I never did know, but they were nev- they were always stratospherically more expensive. Do you think Carl Andre killed Anna Mendieta? There's been moments where I think he he probably did, and then there's moments where I say I shouldn't be so judgmental because I really don't know. I guess because he was acquitted, right? Because we believed in the legal system and he was acquitted. Whether you believed he deserved to be acquitted or not, we had to kind of accept that and live with that. I suggested to Amy that it seemed unfair that Carl still got to have his life and career because the art world acted like nothing had happened. But it turned out Amy's crossed paths with Carl professionally, and she had a different take. I believe Carl Andre has suffered tremendously as a net result of that episode, both personally and professionally. He felt ostracized and was forced into a certain kind of isolation. I think he lived a much more fearful and smaller and more subdued life than he might have had this episode not happened. And while he was celebrated for his artistic contributions, which remain, whether he killed her or didn't kill her, I'm not sure he enjoyed any of it. So that's the price. The punishment that was exacted is more personal in that way. 
It's true, a quiet descended around Carl in the wake of Anna's death. Even though he still showed and still sold, he didn't get the kind of accolades and special treatment that his fellow minimalists did. Until 2014, when the retrospective at Dia and the accompanying press made it seem like he was going to be completely rehabilitated. This didn't seem to impact Amy's position. She was adamant that the life of the artist and the art object be held apart. In my life and career, I've been able to talk about Andiata's work and Carl Andre's work without ever mentioning the episode that happened. And why, why do you make that choice? Oh, because, because if Anna Mendieta is reduced to that episode, you are negating everything she stood for as an artist. And this is the conversation I resent. Like the point of being an artist, so your art outlives you, so that you tell a story and a narrative where it lasts forever. And if she is reduced to that episode, you've negated everything she worked hard to be as an artist. The work is separate from the individual. It has to be. That's the point of being an artist, just like Anna Mendieta's work is separate from her death. I completely agree with Amy. One of the things that makes art great is that it outlives us. I understand wanting to untether Anna's work from her untimely death. I understand wanting to be able to talk about her work without having to take into account the tragedy that she had no idea was coming. But both Max and Amy can tolerate these pockets of silence. And it turns out I've been troubled by silence the whole time. Maybe I'm upset by the silence because, as a gay person, I have to be public about my most private self in order to be fully human. The conversations we had about Anna and Carl showed me how much I believe in the power of talking about difficult things. And these conversations changed how I feel about Carl's work. And they also shifted my sense of what should and should not be shared with the public. Spending all this time with Anna and Carl helped me realize that I wanted to be a member of a community that discusses grave and difficult things. It's clear that our geniuses can do horrible things. It's clear that talent and violence can exist in the same person. But I've come to see cancel culture's solution as another form of silence. What if instead of silence upon silence, the gatekeepers told the whole story, the whole messy, complicated, infuriating, sad, and complex story? Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of restless nights? 
Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. When Anna died, the rights to her art automatically defaulted to Carl. But shortly after her death, Carl turned those rights over to her family. And for the last two decades, her estate has been managed by a prominent New York gallery, and her legacy has grown. A lot. By the time the 2000s rolled around, things really started to pick up. She had a major touring retrospective exhibition— Her work is owned by many of the most important museums in the country, and she was included not once, but twice, in MoMA's most recent reinstallation of their collection. And in 2018, she showed up in the New York Times series Overlooked No More, the newspaper's attempt to redress the hundreds of people, primarily women and people of color, who did not garner an obituary in the New York Times' whiter and maler days. They called her unapologetically feminist, which made me laugh because I hadn't realized feminism required an apology. It's 2022, and if Anna were alive, she'd be 73. 73. Now her work means a lot to a lot of people, especially to women, and especially to women artists. Similar to Frida Kahlo, Anna is symbolic for people, She stands for something more than just her artwork. Her life and her death matter a great deal. And for some of her fans, reverence is accompanied by rage. These are the folks who started the Where is Anna Mendieta hashtag, the folks who show up to protest when Carl Andre's work is on view. To be honest, without these women, I'm not sure anyone would have thought to revisit this story. So I want to introduce you to two people who broke the art world's habitual silence. My name is Kristen Clifford, and I'm an artist. I'm 50 years old. My work is about bodily autonomy, reproductive justice, uh, feminist health. Kristen first encountered Ana Mendieta's work in the late 1980s in a high school art class. The students were given a bunch of art magazines and told to make collages. 
And I actually cut out a picture of one of Ana Mendieta's silhouettes. I made a collage of all of these women's bodies in art by women artists. I felt like the only value that I had was my looks, my body, my sexuality. I had already been raped. I had no way to speak about that, no way to talk about it, no one to tell. And so when I saw these images, like when I saw the silhouette of Anna Mendieta, when I saw Moffitt Street, I saw myself. I really felt and saw myself in this work. You might remember that we started the show with Anna's first major work, Moffat Building Piece, a film that shows anonymous pedestrian responses to blood on the street, a work made in response to a rape and murder on campus. Kristen told us the story of her assault, and it was hard to listen to. It turns out, Listening to women can be devastating, which is maybe why our society has such a hard time doing it. When I was raped when I was 15, the friends of the boy who raped me made a tape of themselves talking about him assaulting me. They were not boys. They were over 18. I was uh, in high school and they were college students And they all recorded themselves laughing about me, how they should have wrapped me up and put me in the refrigerator and had leftovers in the morning, how it was sad that not all of them got to take a turn. And then they gave Kristen the tape so she could listen to it. And that certainly had a huge part in my artistic career. And like wanting to be seen, needing to show my own version of events, wanting to see women telling their own versions of their own lives. And feminist art is where I saw that. I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't see it on TV. Fast forward almost three decades. It's 2014 and the Carl Andre retrospective is about to start. Kristen teaches a college class on rape culture and makes feminist art. She's raising two kids. And one night, she puts her kids to bed, makes a cup of tea, and picks up the latest art magazine to find an article about Carl. So I just made a Facebook event and started tweeting, like, there will be blood. I was just really angry. I just was like, I'm going to fucking throw blood in front of Dia. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares. It's not like I have some art career to protect. I'm never going to show idea. I'm never going to show it a museum. Who gives a shit? I'm struck by Kristen's sense that her ability to speak comes from her gimlet-eyed assessment of where she sits in the art world pecking order. In my experience, the more powerful one is, the more one tends to toe the party line. Lord knows I have been incredibly anxious about doing this podcast. All kinds of folks have let me know they didn't think this was such a good idea. More than one person said upon hearing about it, oh, that's brave, as in, oh, that's crazy. So Kristen and about 15 to 20 other people, all in white jumpsuits, showed up in front of the DIA Foundation office. Not the actual museum, but their offices in Manhattan. And they began to chant. I wish Anna Mendieta was still alive. I wish Anna Mendieta was still alive.
And then Kristen took out a plastic bag of chicken blood she'd gotten from the butcher and dumped it on the sidewalk while others kept chanting. And there was a real moment there of sorrow for her death. The police came and asked the protesters to leave, which they did. To me, it was just to to let Dia as a whole know that we were pissed off, that they were part of this rehabilitation of Carl Andre's reputation. That to me was just so wrong. That small protest sparked the next one. I reached out to Kristen Clifford and I told her what I was thinking about doing and whether she would want to join us. My name is Jennifer Tamayo. I am a poet, performer, and essayist. I tend to write books and performances that center around the rescripting and reimagining of undocumented migrants in the U.S. Like Kristen, Jennifer has deeply personal reasons for loving Ana Mendieta's work. I was born in Huizca Territory, which is currently known as Bogota, Colombia. My family left after a lot of the violence of the 80s when I was five years old. And my mother and I crossed the border without documents. I think that sense of displacement, this sense of like longing, that desire for the land, desire for home, is definitely, I think, one of the connections. Jennifer was in art school when she first encountered a photo from Mendieta's Silhouetta series on a visit to a museum. I remember feeling immediately connected to it and simultaneously really angry because it felt like, had, had I not seen this work before, how had I not encountered these images before? And so a few months into the Dia show, Jennifer and a small group of other folks arrived to protest. And this time they didn't want to stay outside. They planned to go into the gallery space and cry. I wanted a gesture that would focus not so much on Andre himself, but in the people in the room who gathered to grieve. The trope of the crying woman who has been either jilted or left behind or whatever, you know, all those things that going to crying felt so appropriate. And it's also linked to, you know, ideas of like an overly emotional woman, feminine excess, all of those things. They spread out and sat on the floor next to or on top of Carl Andre's sculptures. The space was suddenly transformed in the having people just sit on the floor. And so suddenly it was like, oh no, we're the thing cutting through the space. You know, a lot of Andre's work is about cutting through the space with materials and rearranging space. Suddenly our bodies, predominantly, you know, women's bodies, were now cutting through the space of the gallery by sitting or laying in front of pieces in this, you know, very sort of like bright, cool room. And then they began to cry. The sounds of it were so echoey and intense because the space is so large and 
I remember being like, I'll, I'll sit here and cry forever. In the moment of the tears inside of the gallery, salty, liquid tears against rigid structures and forms, it was a way of remembering her. And it was a way of bringing her to life and reminding Anna that we haven't forgotten her. It wasn't to send a message to institutions because I don't really believe that they want to listen necessarily. It's mostly about a kind of mutual care for each other inside of the space that very much doesn't really care. When I hear these stories, they make me question who we think art is for. Is it for experts like me and Amy Capolazzo and Max Holine? Is it all about the pleasures of insider baseball? Or is it for the 15-year-old girl who got raped? Or the young woman who crossed the border with her mother? Obviously, it's for all of those people, and then some. But I think those of us who are experts and gatekeepers have a responsibility to share our knowledge with the public. Let's face it, all the experts know the story of Carl and Anna. It strikes me that we the gatekeepers are being terribly paternalizing when we decide the public doesn't need to know facts that we all know. I think we have to think about that young teenage girl in the gallery. What version of my expertise do I owe her? Is withholding how Anna died protecting her, or any viewer for that matter? Perhaps the better thing to do is reframe the question. When we are silent, who is being protected by that silence? Carl's silence and the silence of art world insiders ends up feeling like an omission of the truth, a lapse that seems to suggest that Anna could be erased from Carl's story or that his legacy could be sanitized to make it more palatable, more polite. After the Carl Andre retrospective, some of the Me Too energy online spilled over to Carl. The Where Is Anna Mendieta hashtag followed him around appearing on social media anytime his name popped up in art world news. That swell of anger prompted one more story about Carl to emerge, this time from the actress Ellen Barkham. In January 2020, she tweeted about an incident from the 1970s. I was a 22-year-old waitress working a party for painter Carl Andre. Andre got angry over his service, shoving me against a wall, his hands around my neck, pulling me up till my feet left the floor. Three men got him off me. It was retweeted almost 5,000 times. As a feminist, I don't think I should look away from the controversy over how Anna Mendieta died. As an art historian, I can't write Carl Andre out of the story. I don't want to erase anything from the history books. I'd prefer to add, I'm interested in what happens when the silence is lifted. Like what happens when I have to think about my adolescent zeal for walking on Carl Andre's work, knowing everything I know now. Was part of the thrill that I could break a rule in public and that I knew I could break it and that other visitors might not know? So part of the thrill was kind of daring someone to say something to me about it? Because I knew something other people didn't know, and that energy, well, that's asshole energy. And that's why it feels good. And now, knowing what I know, 
I'm a little more wary about that kind of energy. I even feel a little embarrassed on behalf of my younger self. Especially as I think about what my role might be as a bystander to violence, which was Anna's question from the very beginning. The upshot of all of this is that thinking about the art and the life simultaneously means we can think new things, both ethically and aesthetically. And while this might be hard to do, in the end, it gets us a much more complex story. And it's in the name of complexity that I wonder what would happen if when we lift the silence, we do so with compassion. Compassion for those who have been hurt, compassion for those for whom silence is a form of violence, compassion even for those who have done the harm. It turns out what I want is more talking. I want a discourse that accounts for public and private, art and life. I want an open field of and, not a closed field where some things can be said and others cannot. I want to be part of a culture that can handle the messiness, the not knowing, the complexity. I want us to have as many public conversations as it takes to understand why men are allowed to hurt those who have less power than them. I want silence to be replaced with talking because I think it's the only way we might be able to forge some kind of path toward repair. I have to end this story with no end. So it seems like the only thing to do is end with a work by Anna Mendieta. In a short video she made called Oshon, we see two sinuous lines of mud in the middle of a tidal river. The handmade walls of dirt look like two snakes or two halves of the outline of a body. But the water is doing its thing. Without a care in the world, it flows. And it's clear that eventually it will slowly erode these two forms. Anna made this work in Key Biscayne, Florida. She made it in the warm waters of the Atlantic. Waters that make a mockery of national borders as they flow between a place we call the United States and an island we call Cuba. In Santeria, Oshun is the goddess of rivers and love. She came in the boats that carried the Yoruba people who were stolen and sold, and the descendants of those people worship her to this day. They say you can never step in the same river twice. They say love is forever. They say art is long and life is short. I hear all of these things in my head when I look at Anna's work. I hear her work admonishing us to pay more attention every day to the world around us, to see how the land is changing. And I hear her whispering, asking us, how are we going to change along with it?
Death of an Artist is a co-production between Pushkin Industries, Something Else, and Sony Music Entertainment. Written and hosted by me, Helen Molesworth. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, Lital Malad, Jacob Weisberg, and Lucas Werner. Produced by Maria Luisa Tucker. Editing by Lizzie Jacobs. Our managing producer is Jacob Smith. Associate producers are Pooj Rue and Eloise Linton. Additional production help by Talia Abacassas, Kyra Asibe Bansu, Rahima Nasa, and Harrison VJ Choi. Engineered by Sam Baer. Fact-checking by Andrea Lopez Cruzado. Our production coordinator is E.K. Egbatola. Our theme song is by Pooj Rue. Special thanks to Carola Hopped, Natalia Delgado, Mia LaBelle, and the Robert Katz family. Thanks also to our legal team, Louise Carrion, Lauren Pagoni, Jen Womack, and the team at Claris Law. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus to listen early, ad-free, and get exclusive bonus content. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. Find more great podcasts from Sony Music Entertainment at sonymusic.com backslash podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.